swag. If I ain't swag, who is swag? If I ain't swag, who is swag? If I ain't swag, who is swag, baby? Who is swag? Who is? Who is swag? Oh, 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 I wake up motivated. I wake up motivated. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's the Deep Cover Podcast coming to you. Where are we recording this? Thursday night, November 3rd. Man, it seems like it's been forever since the Ravens last played last Thursday night down there in Tampa. Of course, by now, unless you've been on another planet, you know that the Ravens got the dub down there in Tampa. Uh, tell two halves in a lot of ways. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on some of that in this episode, but We've had a lot of other news since then, and so we'll probably lead off with some of that stuff, get to Tampa Bay a little bit later, and then probably also touch on the Saints game coming up Monday night. Before we do all of that, got to holler at my guy, see how everybody's doing. Uh, start with you, Kerry. How things going, man? Doing good, man. Glad to be back with you guys. You know, we took a week off, um, you know, feeling refreshed, so, you know, I'm ready to get back to it, man. Absolutely, absolutely. Chris, how about you, man? I know you you still a little little bit under the weather, a little bit IR, uh, you know, maybe ankle slash vet day uh, kind of situation. <laughs> how you doing? Uh, I'm good, man. I'm good. Um, you know, we had the the road corn shade, but now you know we're kind of back to reality a little bit with this Bateman news. So uh, I know we'll get into it, but uh, yeah, let's get let's get into it. Yeah, ain't no, ain't no, no time like the present. You, uh, you touched on it, so let's talk about it. And that's, that's actually the order that I was gonna do it in. Let's, let's take the bad news first. Uh, we heard today from John Harbaugh that Rashad Bateman is gonna be out for the rest of the season. He's opted to have Liz Frank surgery on his foot. I think the three of us and some of the other circles that we ran in, run in, were kind of thinking this could be what was gonna happen um, when. You know, we heard that the foot issue might have been a little bit more than just like a foot sprain. And, you know, I think we were all hoping that we were wrong and that we wouldn't hear the news we heard today. But unfortunately, we did hear it. And so, um, you know, obviously it sucks for Rashad and, um, you know, his, his, his goals for what he probably had wanted to accomplish this year and, and kind of the impact he wanted to have on the team and kind of establish himself in the league this year. But um, I think we all agree that this is probably a good thing in the long term, right, for him to go ahead and get this taken care of, give himself all the time he needs to rehabilitate and recover and then come back next year stronger than ever. Um, but, Chris, I'll go back to you. Um, just get your thoughts on it about, you know, Bateman himself and, you know, kind of how uh, this impacts him and then, you know, the, the rest of the team, the rest of that wide receiver group and, and the offense. Yeah, man. Um, like you said, I mean, it's, it's great that he's going to just get it taken care of right now and he can be back during training camp and be 100% instead of, maybe playing through it, maybe making it worse or, you know, the timeline for recovery being a little bit longer, just eliminate all of that and just get it done right now. Um, we know how important year three is for a wide receiver. And so far it, it hasn't, you know, it, it hasn't been a smooth start for him. 
Uh, I think this is his third injury with the team and, you know, under under two full seasons. So hopefully he could get it right because, you know, we we watched this dude come out uh, of Minnesota and we know how talented he is. And I don't think we've even seen a little bit of what he can do. Um, but now it, it's, you know, he has to be, stay healthy in order to show that. And uh, even when he was healthy, there was some struggles as far as catching the ball. So I, I think getting himself physically right, mentally right, I think it, it'll be better for his future going forward. Um, as far as the team is concerned, um, obviously this is, you know, worst case scenario and something that we, you know, we probably spoke about around draft time where, you know, Bateman can't be the only dude. You know, there there has to be somebody else there who can pick up the slack. And, you know, luckily they've had Duvernay who, who's taken a step forward with his progression. But uh, there's still a lot there to be desired in that whole wide receiver room. And, you know, me saying that, that doesn't mean like, oh, yeah, they should tank the rest of the season or, you know, this team sucks. But it's just you look at the room and you look at a guy like Demarcus Robinson who, you know, when given the opportunity, he's played well. But, you know, this this is a guy who couldn't – he couldn't cut it as the third receiver in, on the Chiefs, uh, you know, was barely hanging on and then went to the Raiders and couldn't make it on the Raiders. And now he's with the Ravens. And that they bring in a guy like Deshaun Jackson, you know, it's they got James Prochet, they got Tylen Wallace, Andy Isabella. It's just, it's just a lot to be desired with those names being called. Now they might rise to the occasion. Um, I do think there's talent there in that room. How they decide to utilize it, that's a completely different story. But um, yeah, it just it just makes me wish they had put a little bit more effort into building that room up in a case like this, where you lose a Bateman, you lose a Duvernay, you know, you don't have to go, you know, lack of a better word, you don't have to go to the scrap heap to go sign a Deshaun Jackson, and uh, that that's where I'm at with the the whole wide receiver room. Gary, let me come to you now. I mean, Chris raises an interesting point about, you know, thinking back to the draft. It's a different position, but in some ways it's similar to the conversations we were having around offensive tackle a year ago, <laughs> right? Going into to, yeah. to the 2021 season. Hey, how come they not taking a tackle? How come they not doing this in the draft? And then you get into the season and then the worst case scenario happens. You know, you think Ronnie's going to be back, but then, you know, he plays one game and then basically he's done. And then you got, you know, like Chris said, for lack of a better word, the scrap heap. You're going out and getting certain guys, and it was a struggle at tackle all throughout that 2021 season. Obviously, a lot of struggles in terms of injury, but, you know, we were having a similar conversation. But, you know, here we are again, this time at the wide receiver position. But, um, yeah, let me let me get your, your thoughts as well on just this injury and, um, you know, how I think how you think it impacts the team. Yeah, so first and foremost, my thoughts are with him. 
Um, you know, he made that post. He seems to be taking it pretty hard. Um, so just starts with him hoping, you know, for a full recovery for him, hoping he has, you know, good and supportive people in his corner to kind of help him through this. Cause you can tell he's a guy that puts a lot of work in, uh, cares deeply about, you know, performing on the field. So, um, you know, he's taking this hard, you know, that, that post was one thing, you know, but it's probably only a small glimpse as to his actual feelings because he, he seems to be a really, really competitive guy. So, uh, you know, just just sending good thoughts his way. Um, as far as the wide receiver group as a whole, you look at it now, Deshaun Jackson was supposed to be, you know, maybe a little bit of a shot in the arm, you know, not necessarily a full-on necessity. I think now he's kind of trending more to a necessity. Now we kind of need that – that juice from him, you know, that, that, that vertical lid lifter um, to, to come in and try to make some plays. Um, you know, we got other young guys on the roster, um, you know, James Prochet, Talon Wallace. Um, we've seen Demarcus Robinson make a few plays. We need a few more, you know, James Prochet. We saw him make, um, you know, make a catch or two. We need a few more Talon Wallace. We haven't really seen him. Um, do a lot yet we need a few more um you know it's one of those things where um it, it's funny you talk about offensive tackle last year and how they kind of got insurance for the insurance at offensive tackle uh and kind of you know overstock that position um because they got bit last year now you know, they're getting bit by the, the, the position they left short this year, which is receiver. Um, so, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, they're just going to have to try to battle through it. And it's going to come down to, um, for me mainly, it's going to come down to that to that run game. You know, they're, they're going to have to be dominant in the run game. You know, the, the run game has, has continued to improve. Um, but is it on that Jada kiss? Is it on that top five dead or alive? <laughs> that's, that's what we're going to need to see going forward. You know, this is a, this team is going to have to impose their will. And, you know, we'll get into the Tampa game, but they were able to impose their will in the second half in that Tampa game. But based off of that first half, man, I was going to come up here and let the chopper sing <laughs> based off of some of the things I was seeing in that first half. But, you know, the second half, they, they shorted it up. But, you know, there's still some things to be proven. That Tampa defense was pretty banged up. And we're talking about a Tampa defense that normally is one of the best run defenses we've probably seen in the last 10, 10 or so years. And so they had starter after starter out, um, you know, all across that front seven and in that secondary. So, you know, I don't know if we can necessarily look at that second half and say, oh, they've arrived, you know, as a run, running offense. Um, they are a good rushing offense, don't get me wrong, but with what, what they're facing with this receiving core, with Mark Andrews being banged up, it's going to take more than good. They're going to have to be great. They're going to have to be imposed their will great um, in order to – get to that dance at the at the end of the year. So um you know I I'm I, I want to see some of these guys. Chris, you know, made a good um comment. We were talking about it before the show. You just want to see 
these guys, these young guys get an opportunity and see for yourself. You know, if they can't do it, they can't do it, but we want to see it. Yeah, and, you know, you you make a good point, um, hearkening back to that Tampa Bay game, because I know just in our little group chat, we was we was wondering if Greg was going to make it <laughs> out, of, out, of, out of the first right. half. You know, like, was he still going to have a job coming out of halftime? The way that things were. Man, during that halftime, we were ready putting his resume on Indeed. <laughs> say, hey, look, we got we got some other dudes on staff. Just go ahead and take the headset off. <laughs> Let somebody else get there for that second half. But uh, they they did play, you know, very well in that second half. Like you said, we'll get into that a little bit later. But to your point, um, you're not always going to go up against uh, a team and a secondary, in, in particular, that are missing three of their their starting DBs. I mean, I think Winfield was out, Carlton Davis was out. I guess Sean Murphy Bunty not a starter for them, more nickel guy, but. Uh, still a guy who had played for them. You're not always going to face that week in and week out. Sometimes you're going to you're going to go up against teams that are you know more healthy and are going to have their regular starters out there. And then are the guys that were able to produce in the second half of that Bucks game um, in terms of the passing game. You know we, we talked about Demarcus Robinson, Isaiah Likely, um, you know Prochet. Um, Doing that, I'm, I'm kind of not including him in that because we're talking about guys who haven't had as much of an opportunity. Obviously, Duvernay's kind of been doing his thing all season. Um, are those guys still going to be able to perform at that same level? It's great that they did, and I know it's almost an unfair question in some way because it's like, well, look, they can only play against who's out there. They don't get to choose who's active and who's inactive, <laughs> and so they went out and those guys performed against who was out there. So then, for me to be like, oh, well, then can they do it against you know higher caliber guys? Well, we'll see. We'll see if they can. I mean, that's that's going to be the opportunity um, now, at least in in terms of uh, the wide receiver room. But let's 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 stay on that Andrews thing too before we go to Roquan and then talk about some good news. Um, you know, Mark Andrews didn't practice today again with that shoulder injury. Um, I think well, he he had a knee before. Like, didn't he have something some kind of knee injury before he had the shoulder thing uh, coming out of the Bucks game? Um, yeah. And so he's getting dinged up in different different places now. And, you know, it's one thing to lose Rashad Bateman. Obviously, that that has a, a very large impact. You don't have Mark Andrews, who I think pretty much all rational Raven fans would agree. He's the number one receiving option in this passing game. If you don't have him, then, you know, the, the, the prospects can can look pretty grim. Um Hopefully, you know, he, he is able to uh, to kind of recover. And for me, like, I, I don't know that I'd even be pushing real hard to have him play in the Saints game. And it's not because you're not trying to win the game. Obviously, you're trying to win the game, so you always want to have your best guys out there. But if it's like, hey, man, he could probably use another week, you know what I mean, to, to kind of give that shoulder time to come back in addition to the bye week they're going to get after the game, I might just be like, hey, man, we're going to have to shut this down, Mark. And then – you know, see where we are out of the bye week. But um, what do you, what do you, I thought what you care, what, what are your thoughts on, on that for Mark Andrews and what that could mean if he's out uh, for, for any, you know, prolonged or significant period of time? With me, Kerry? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, okay, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. To me, with Andrews, it's, it's actually, 
like I, I just go to likely. I just think about likely and I think that this is the time. Um, you know, it's time to take the training wheels completely off. And, you know, he's not a finished product by any means. There's going to be some mistakes made. But with your roster, you have to try to find the balance between what somebody can do physically and what they can do mentally. And you have to kind of try to find a balance and try to find, uh, you know, that sweet spot. So you still have upside on your, on your roster. This guy just moves differently than, you know, the people that are going to be tasked with defending him, you know, his ability in open space, you know, as smooth as he is, as talented as he is, as athletic as he is, you have to leverage that. You, I mean, that's something that really should go without saying, but with Bateman being out, with Andrews being banged up, it's even more a priority now. Like he has to be a, um, uh, you know, at, at the very least, a, a heavy secondary option on this offense. You know, the snaps need to come up. Targets need to, to come up. Opportunities need to come up. Um, you need to build in that upside, um, you know, on a weekly basis on their roster. So, you know, that's that's really what it comes down to for me is, you know, you you got to fully unlock this guy at this point. Yeah, Chris, let me let me get your thoughts on on Mark Andrews and you know what him missing any kind of time could mean. But speaking to Kerry's point about likely, you know. After that game, it made me think back um, to Torrey Smith. Remember Torrey Smith's rookie year? He was kind of struggling catching the ball. And then he had that Rams game, right, where he had like what is it, like two or three TDs uh, in the game. Had a couple. Yeah. Like they might have all been in the first half or something. It was something crazy, right, where it was just like a big game. He's catching long passes, throwing touchdowns. And it's like the confidence light just came on. Like, okay, yeah, I can do this at this level. Not just can I play at this level, I can excel at this level. I can be a playmaker at this level. And, you know, Richard Sherman said it after the Bucks game. The most dangerous thing in the world is a football team, a football player with confidence. Uh-huh. So maybe this is it for likely. We knew that the talent was there. You know, we saw it, you know, during training camp. You heard about it during all the training camp practices. You saw a flash in the preseason. There's even been moments prior to the Bucks game in this season, in different games. So you know it's there, but it was just like you needed something to just kind of get that confidence light to come on and just like, all right, it's it's locked on now. It's in the on position. It's going to stay on so that, okay, now I can come out here and I know I can do it at this level against these guys. So maybe that Bucks game is that game for him where it's like, all right, no more of this up and down stuff. We we hear it now and, and it's time to go. Um, but, yeah, Chris, I was going to say your, your thoughts on Mark Andrews and, and, and uh, Isaiah Likely if you want to go on that. Yeah, so um, with Mark Andrews, um, I, I felt like he shouldn't have played last week, to be honest with you, because I don't, if I remember correctly, I don't think he pra- got a practice in last week. And uh, and it's just like, it, it's not worth it. You know, he's too important to the team for, to, you know, to put him in that in that situation. Now, I, I understand it wasn't the knee that, that got him out of the game. It was uh, the shoulder. But Going forward, you know, especially with the the news on Bateman, we got to be extra careful with Mark Andrews now. 
because like you said if he's out you know it it is a steep steep drop off and to not have him or Bateman in the game I get you know when they were out of the game in in the second half the Ravens went off and you know they spread the ball around and, and you know players stepped up and and made some big plays but like you said early on, Mike, that was against a banged-up secondary and a, a depleted defense. So that's not going to happen every week. And, I mean, granted, they, they can't, can't help who they're going up against. So kudos to them for doing what they did. But at the same time, when the level of talent is increased, what's going to happen? You know, when, when it's good on good, what happens? So I think with, with Andrews, you have to be take it easy. And, you know, is this Saints game, you know, in early November, is it worth it to potentially impact Mark Andrews' health going forward in, you know, late December and January? You know, I, I don't think so. I, I'd rather rest him now in, in early November and have a fresher Mark Andrews later on in the year. Um, and then with likely, you know, this he looked like the Isaiah likely that was playing free in the preseason, you know, not not thinking too much, not worried about making a mistake. He was just out there playing ball. And, you know, the results were fantastic. Um, you know, at, at this point, you know, you got uh, what is this going to be the eighth game of the season? Mm-hmm. You know, almost halfway there and. You know, sometimes it takes a little bit longer for that light to, to turn on. Sometimes it, it takes a little bit for the for the rookies to, you know, feel comfortable and feel acclimated and not have that imposter syndrome where, where they don't feel like they're like they, they might not be as good as they probably thought, you know. And when you have a game like this, like you said, Mikey, it gives you that confidence that where you're like, you know what, I, I can play at this level. I, I can't succeed. You know, I, I can be that dude when, when my number's called. So I, I'm I'm fully confident that, that he'll be able to, to, you know, do what, what this team needs at the, the tight end position. And, and not even just him, but Josh Oliver, too. Like he, he's done nothing to have me concerned about the tight end position. Uh, the way he's blocked, the way he's caught the ball. You know, both of those guys working at the tight end spots. I'm, you know, I'm I'm more than confident in them. Um, are they Mark Andrews? Of course not. But if you're gonna have, you know, your backups coming in, I I feel good about these two dudes compared to what what was on the roster last year. I, I get Oliver was on the roster last year, but this this season of Josh Oliver is completely different than last season. I I think he's a way better player and more complete than he was last year. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm confident that both of those guys can come in there and, and make a positive impact. Yeah, Josh Oliver, a.k.a. Clark Kent, is paying the car costs. I mean, look, you know, we, we thought that uh, he was kind of going to be in a battle for a roster spot coming in this year. You know, we had heard all offseason how hard Nick Boyle had worked, and we just thought, okay, he's going to be back. And, you know, by all accounts, Boyle's been healthy enough to be out there, but at least 
in the, the eyes of the Ravens coaching staff, uh, Oliver has been the better option for them. And that's why he's he's played more. So uh, credit to him. You know, not bad for a seventh round pick, right? I think is what they traded the Jags to get him. Uh, so that's 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 worked out relatively well. Uh, and not to mention, uh, I, I think his window his you know, after being on IR, um, Charlie Kohler, his window, I don't think it's up this week. I think it's next week. So he might be a guy who they have to activate during the bye week, maybe something like that. I don't know how that works. If you get the bye week gets factored in and can do you get, you know, like time after the bye to activate a guy. Um, but I know what's coming up. Obviously, we saw Jabo and um, Tyus Bowser get activated this week. So we'll throw that into the good news segment, too. Uh, but keep in mind, you know, you got Char- Charlie Kohler coming back. And, you know, we thought, you know, all of us kind of into the draft and look at these guys. We we really kind of were high on Charlie Kohler when we were looking at him. Saying, hey, this looks like a guy who could come in and could contribute somebody kind of in that Dennis Pitta mode, you mm-hmm. know, just in terms of uh, his ability to get open just having a feel right for how, for how to get open and how to catch the ball. Obviously we've seen that with Isaiah likely too. He's just like a more athletic version uh, on that spectrum. Um, so that's something to, to maybe keep in the back of mind too. Not to say that, you know, a guy who's a rookie who hasn't played for the first nine weeks is going to come in <laughs> and like, you know, set the world on fire offensively, but you get another talented player, you know, um, albeit a rookie, but still another talented player. Um, as a pass catcher, big body pass catcher out there. So and we'll see, you know, what happens there. But yeah, let's 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 shift the atmosphere in here. Let's, let's, you know, let's get some some positive news going now. <laughs> so we can do all three of those. I almost forgot about touching on Bowser and Ojabo, but let, let's start with Roquan, man. I mean that that was that was the type of splash move that you know I think people don't anticipate the Ravens making around the trade deadline. Um but they made it. And, you know, we can get into the discussion about the compensation and about whether they're going to sign him long term. You know, I think all of that is fair uh, as part of it. But just for what he can bring to this defense right now, you know, who he is as a player and what he can add. Um, I'll, I'll start back with you again, Kerry. What, what are your thoughts about Roquan Smith, man? And were you were you surprised when when you saw that trade announced? Yeah, I mean, I was a little bit surprised. I mean, I, I, I never put anything past DaCosta. You know, I think he's a guy that's going to make the calls and, and kind of do the necessary things to try to improve the team. But I didn't I didn't necessarily see this move being one, especially didn't see him giving up a uh, second round pick. We know how much he loves picks. So that was a bit of a, a shocker that the pick was that high. But the further we got, the more information we found out, you know, was more understood as to why it ended up being a second round pick with the Bears eating so much of that that salary. So uh, as far as the player, man, I mean, it's it's just what the middle of of this defense needed. You know, you, you you really couldn't draw up a better player to put in the middle of this defense. You know, 25 years old, uh, been an all pro. Uh, you know, can really, really impact things in coverage, can make plays uh, in the run game, uh, fits as a blitzer. Um, you know, shout out to Denard. You know, check out the Fire Zone show. You won't get a better breakdown uh, of what he can bring uh, to the table than, um, you know, what Denard uh, brings on that show. So definitely, if you haven't checked that out, please check that out. 
Um, and then again, you know, the compensation, like I said, felt like the compensation was, you know, fair considering what the bears had to eat money wise. Um, so, you know, just a, just a really good move, man. Um, I think when you look at, um, what he adds and you look at what's coming down the pipeline and you look at the, the kind of, uh, momentum this, this team is building on defense, this team has a has a chance to be, you know, one of the top five defenses in the league, you know, when it's all said and done, when we get to the end of the year, the way things are, are kind of shaping up. But just having that um, consistency in the middle of the field, you know, that that's that, that's going to be a big thing for me. Just having having a guy that's going to know where to be, rep in and rep out, is just going to, you know not do things to, to kind of compound, uh, um, you know, issues. And so, um, with that, with some of the reinforcements that's, that's coming is, you know, it's a really exciting time, you know, upward trajectory for this, um, uh, for this defense. Um, I will say I was a little bit, um, I'm trying to find the right word because, you know, you're never disappointed to add good players. But it does um, it does create some issues going forward, salary wise, and um, from a draft capital standpoint, uh, as it pertains to other positions. So you know, we had the conversation maybe the last pod, and we were talking about a wide receiver. And I'm gonna be selfish in this because you know my dream was. <laughs> using, um, you know, draft capital to move up in the first round and, you know, get an impact guy or, you know, trading it to try to find an impact guy. I think that's harder to do because, you know, there's salary involved with with some of the guys that are coming up as potential names. But I felt like trading up in a draft for one of those, um, you know, top guys would have been, kind of like a, a, a balance between the two. You know, you give up the draft capital, but you're not giving up, you know, trying to fit in, you know, double-digit million salary into your uh, into your cap sheet. So with that second round and that fifth round are gone, it, that seems a lot less likely uh, to happen. So, um, and then you're going to have to to pony up. You know, you're going to have to give him a significant, contract so then it becomes okay what happens with the receiver position um, you know this offseason especially when you have a guy like Bateman who's going to be coming off of the injury so um, you know that 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 left a sour taste a little bit that would be one thing that that is kind of disappointing but again you couldn't drop a better fit to put at middle linebacker on his defense so you know I, I I'm I'm never gonna get down about adding good football players to the team. Yeah, those you know what what's gonna happen long term with his contract and trying to recoup the draft capital uh, as you talked about EDC already trying to get that second back in some kind of shape form or fashion. <laughs> we already know that <laughs> that man wants that <laughs> back bad. You remember that year that he didn't have a second. 
Uh, I mean, he was crying the blues like, <laughs> <laughs> about how he never wanted to be in that position again. So you know he got a plan for getting the second round like that. We just don't know what it is yet. Uh, I'll come to you now, Chris. Uh, one, were you surprised uh, when they announced the Rokon Smith trade, and, and how do you feel about it? Um, I wouldn't say I was surprised. Um, not that I, not that I thought it was going to happen, but um, I did, there were some whispers, you know. That I mean, there, there's always whispers, but um, I don't know. I wasn't, I wasn't as shocked about it as I probably thought I would have been. Um, but I was, I was happy at first, and I'm like, damn, like you know, 25 year old, all pro, um, you know, that's probably like other than a, a solidified slot corner that's that's been the missing piece for the defense for you know many years now and they got him you know they they got a guy who's in his prime and who could have a you know Marcus Williams type impact on a legendary position for the Ravens you know, Marcus Williams, he's, before he got injured, you know, he was, in my opinion, playing at an all-pro level. And, you know, we could see Roquan come in and, and do the same thing for the middle of the defense just at, at linebacker. And uh, so that was exciting to see that, you know, they, they got those two guys who can it, – it, ju- it just feels like it's been years since they had guys, uh, you know, of that caliber who can elevate the defense. So that was the exciting part. But like Kerry said, you know, you, you look at the, you know, the other factors that go into it as far as going, you know, the future and what that means. And, and I, I think, you know, all of us at some point were, you know, Mike, would, you know, he was the one who got us on team need for speed. So, you know, we were, you know, we're ready to, to kind of pivot and, take that 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 step as far as the wide receiver room is concerned and you know have kind of a different a different approach to the way that the Ravens want to go at the the wide receiver position but and we you know we all got creative we all let our imaginations you know run wild with certain scenarios and things like that and you know that was kind of like all right enough of that dreaming like <laughs> You know, this is what it is. And, uh, you know, this is just another reminder of that. Like, this is this is what it's going to be. You know, this is who this team is. Um, whether we like it or not, that's that's what it is. And that that's how it's going to be. So um, as far as the 2020, 2022 season, I love it because I think Roquan is going to be a great addition. And uh, hopefully take the defense to the next level. Um, I know, you know, I, I tweeted something about uh, the Ravens defense being Balenciaga price, but uh, <laughs> in crunch time, they come up like sheen material. Mm, not the sheen. <laughs> so it's like, this is, this is yet another Balenciaga item. I, I don't want to see Sheen material during crunch time. Like this defense better be on point <laughs> um, because they did. I mean, right now what they're trying to do, they're trying to 
you know, buck the trend of the dominant defenses because they they haven't been dominant defenses. They've been good defenses, but dominant defenses that carry teams. Uh, you know, I, I feel like the last one was the Broncos in 2015. I feel like that was the last dominant defense uh, in the NFL that that actually you know won something. Uh, and I, it's obviously been an offensive driven league and the league is doing everything they can to make sure that it stays that way and, and put defenses at a disadvantage. And, uh, you know, the Ravens are, you know, trying to prove that, Hey, you know, we, we can put all of our resources and, and all of this capital into the defense. And, uh, I'm not going to say that it's not going to work because I'm not a fool. Um, because I haven't seen it yet. You know, I, I, I can't say for sure. I mean, I can't speak in absolutes and say it's going to work. It's not going to work. I, I don't know. We have to see it play out. But um, it, it's going to be interesting to see because, like I said, it, it's been a long time since the Ravens had a defense that was this talented, you know, with, you know, a great group of young players, a, a, a solid group of veterans, you know, all pro guys, pro bowlers, guys who are on the cusp of being pro bowlers. You know, this is exciting for the defense. And and I think when we all fell in love with the Ravens, it was more than likely because of defense. So I'm ready to see a great defense. Um, hopefully they can buck this, you know, this latest trend of, in the NFL where defenses don't really reign supreme and, you know, they can lean on them and, and actually have a, a a defense that can suffocate offenses and, you know, not just contain, but, you know, dictate the way games go to, the way that, that we used to see. So I'm hoping we can see something like that. Well, all the ingredients are there, as you mentioned, and that'll kind of transition us into the next topic of talking about uh, Tyus Bowser and David Ajabo being activated. And then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that Bucks game and then Saints. Um, but all the ingredients are there. And you you, you you guys know me. Y'all know I got some crazy stuff going around in my head in terms of how I get to some of these analogies. But when I heard Chris talk about they want to be – you know, a dominant defense, you know, an elite type defense. And then he started mentioning all the different players and I'm thinking ingredients. Here we are in November. I'm thinking Thanksgiving dinner. They are trying to make the Thanksgiving dinner on defense, right? This is not just a regular run of the mill Wednesday night dinner. This is Thanksgiving dinner, right? So they're going out, they're getting the best of the best. We getting the turkey, we getting stuff to make mac and cheese, we making sweet potatoes. We making stuffing, like homemade stuffing. We ain't getting that shit out of the box. We going homemade <laughs> stuffing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We gonna have pies. We gonna do sweet potato. We gonna do pumpkin. We like. We going all the way out, all the way out, right? So all of the ingredients are there. But I'm not to. I'm not gonna put nobody under the table. You know what they say in church? Just you know, just they they say, hey, if you know this is true, just look straight ahead. Don't look over mm-hmm. there, Dwight. Don't look to. <laughs> just look straight ahead. We all have maybe been to some Thanksgiving dinners where all the ingredients were there, but they ain't come together 
quite like, you know, the way you want it to or the way you were hoping it does. So you can have all of the ingredients and things still not come together. So that's kind of going to be the, you know, to be determined with this defense. I think we've already seen improvement up to this point in the season. I, I, I argue each week they've improved in some ways defensively. So, you know, I think you can see the, the vision that they have and what they think they can be defensively. And, you know, you just talked about, Chris, how this was one of the, 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 the missing pieces on defense, that middle of the field player um, in there next to Patrick Queen. But now you're also getting back another big piece to this defense, another key ingredient in Tyus Bowser. And then the Jabo is like a steal a dish, right? Like after Thanksgiving where everybody bring they left over to a little mm-hmm. party, somebody showing up. With a bomb stealing this. Like, oh man, I didn't even know you was gonna bring that. <laughs> and now this comes, you like, oh man, like banana, you know, you got all your desserts, but then somebody show up with like a banana pudding. You're like, oh it's on, it's on now. <laughs> so a Jabo, if he's what we think he can be, and again, I'm not even talking about for the Saints game. Who who knows when he actually is activated for a game? He's been activated to the 53-man roster, but he could still be some weeks away from playing in a game. And who knows what you get from him. But if you get anything in terms of what we thought he was going to be before, you know, he got injured at his workout leading up to the combine, uh, leading up to the combine, uh, man, what this could be. So anyway, I said a whole lot there. Kerry, let me let me back it up. Tyus Bowser, David Ajabo activated this week. Harb said today he expects Bowser to play. You know, like I said, we don't know about the job. Oh, that's a little bit more to be determined. But what do you think, man? In addition to the Roquan Smith trade, Ty is coming back. How do you think that impacts this defense? Yeah. So, I mean, one, a couple quick points I had kind of, I'll jump, you know, get those out. And this was kind of more so towards Roquan, but it, it kind of fits the defense as a whole. Look at that 49ers defense led by D'Amico Ryan's balling, flat out balling. And Fred Warner is, to me, the biggest, most important piece of that. You know, what he's able to do in coverage. You know, guys like that, they just squeeze the field, the middle of the field, especially in the red zone. That's when it just makes it just so difficult to try to score on on these teams. And so, obviously, they have Bosa there as that, you know, that anchor piece as a pass rusher, but they get it from a lot of different areas. You know, they got six, seven guys that are rotating in that, that's giving them um, a pass rush. And so I look at the way this defense is coming together and then you add a Roquan Smith, I, I think the blueprint you see is there. And and San Francisco is a team that, you know, they, you know, they run their zones and they mix things up and, I, I think you see the same kind of um, blueprint with what the Ravens are trying to do. And, the, you know, San Francisco is a, a team that's been in flux at the quarterback position. They battle injuries. You know, they got McCaffrey now. I think they're going to be a team that's going to compete in the NFC. And at the very least, the top teams in the NFC, their defense is going to give people some problems. Like, to beat to score on that defense in the playoffs is going to take some work. And so hopefully 
that's what we're going to see with the Ravens is the same thing. The defense just tightening their screws, getting all their pieces back together. And when the playoffs come, you know, it, it's a defense to be reckoned with. And so um, that was one thing I wanted to hit on. Another thing with the draft capital thing, I'll say this, um, and maybe it'll help the cost to sleep a little better at night. Um, before the last draft, when we got into that fourth round, we were in the group chats, we were on live shows, we were talking about it, and we were like, there's no way they're going to draft all of these, um, you know, make a selection at all these fourth-round picks. Like, there's no way that's possible. What did they do? They went out and made every single selection in the fourth round. Hey, man, these guys got to play. And some of them are playing, and some of them are giving you things. And so they're in the first year of their rookie deals. You know, at some point, there's not – but so many draft picks that you can put on a roster, especially a roster that you're hoping is uh, competing for a championship. So, um, you know, you you got depth, man. You know, just just take advantage of it. And so I, I think that's something to be said as far as the draft capital piece of it. And then, you know, just jumping ahead to um, Bowser and Ajabo, you know, Bowser, obviously, what he brings to the table, um, you know, just as a complete football player, what he brings in coverage, what he'll allow um, Owe to be able to do. You know, it, it's almost like adding two players in one because what he what he does, he excels in it, and then he's going to allow Owe to do what he excels. So you're 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 getting one guy, but you're boosting two spots. You know, we've been talking about this forever. Um, when Oway is able to kind of focus on um, just rushing the passer um, and not so much all these different responsibilities he's had to take on, you're going to see his sack numbers, his pressure numbers improve. And, you know, I, I made the joke on Twitter, you know, it's not going to be some miraculous turning of the corner. It's going to be that, no, he's in his natural position. And, you know, with Ajabo, like I said, I've been saying this for a couple months now, you know, whenever they get him, you know, I was expecting more like December. Now it's looking like it's definitely going to be November. Um, You let this guy loose in, 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 in the fourth quarter of a game against a tire offensive tackle. And with his juice, give me 15 snaps you know, on third down pass rushing. And, you know, you're cooking with something, you know, with 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 the juice that he has, with Owe being able to do what um, he does in more of his natural position. What Justin Houston is continuing to do is, you know, since he's been back is, you know, nothing short of miraculous, you know, honestly. And then you got these guys like Broderick Washington on the inside coming on, Travis Jones. You know, there's just so much to be excited about with this defense. And then, you know, a potential cherry on top of all of that is at the end of the year, you're looking at Marcus Williams being able to come back into the fold. So, you know, just a lot to be excited about. And this is the the, the first kind of pieces of that is Bowser and Ojabo. So, you know, I can't wait to see all these guys on the field. I come to you now, Chris, get your thoughts on uh, Tyus and David Ajabo being activated. Again, you can just kind of see the pieces coming together. You can see kind of where they 
they think this defense can be. We've seen it sort of. We've got the glimpse of it a little bit. Uh, Kerry, you know, hit on it with the Justin Houston usage. I think this is where they wanted. This is what they envisioned, I think, when they brought him here and, and then when he came back. Uh, you know, you look at the last two games, his overall snap count are down from where they were the first couple of games before he got hurt. But the situational usage is what's so impressive. It's third down. It's fourth quarter. A couple of other little obvious passing situations. But, you know, you look at his – and I know sacks aren't everything. You know, we, we all talk about how pressure is more important than sacks. But, you know, his, his sack rate right now, his, you know, per snap, you know, is crazy right now. And I think you're getting him into those high leverage situations and allowing him to do what he's best at, which is rush the passer. And so if you can continue to create that environment for these guys where first and second down, some of the more little 50-50 situations where it could be run or pass, you have some other guys in there, whether that's your Devin Kennards, uh, Bowser now that he comes back, you know, can eat some of those Sam snaps in some of those situations. Uh, maybe they can ease the load on JPP a little bit because he's been playing a ton of snaps since he got here. If you can do that with these additional bodies that you're now bringing into your front seven, then you can get those guys into those, uh, you know, like I said, higher leverage situations, guys who are proven and experienced pass rushers and even young guys, you know, who've got some juice and have got fresh legs, you know, can get some opportunities. I get excited. People can probably hear it. I do it on the Fire Zone show almost every week because I'm just like, man, you can see it coming together. You can, you can, it was like looking at a, at a, being in a tunnel and seeing like the light at the very end. And you're like, man, we just got to keep going. We just got to keep going. We'll go get there and then we'll go be out of this thing. And it feels like we might be getting there. Again, I said a whole lot. Chris, what do you think about Tyus Bowser and David and Chavo coming back? No, I, I think you and Kerry hit on it. Um, uh, Kerry, you know, mentioned how much it'll free up uh, Owe and, and how much it'll help him having Tyus back. And uh, I, I think that's so important. And not even just with Owe, but just, you know, with all those guys, like you said, Mike, with, um, you know, the senior citizen group with uh, Justin Houston and, and JPP, you know, those guys have been playing great, you know, on playing all of those snaps. So now you you mix in an Ojabo, you mix in Tyus who can, you know, do it all. And you just keep these dudes fresh. And now you have a rotation that can just attack an offensive lineman and be relentless. You know, this when when an offensive lineman has to go up against, you know, no disrespect, but a Brandon Copeland versus bringing in a guy with some juice like a David Ojabo or, you know, a veteran like JPP or Justin Houston, that's a huge difference. You know, and when you're being thrown dudes who can win in, in different ways, that is, you know, that that's a, a long night for offensive line. And just the, the amount of guys they can rotate, it hasn't been like this for years. So it, it's going to be refreshing to see. And, refreshing to not have you know these guys play so many snaps uh, before we started recording we were talking about how people were you know down on on Oway later later in the, the fourth quarter and it's like well damn you know when you're playing so many snaps you know and doing so many things in in one game 
you you kind of lose that that juice a little bit. You know, you're not going to have that same juice when you know you can split snaps with somebody else and and be able to be kept fresh instead of having to play so many so many downs. So um, it, it's exciting to see, man, and and I'm I'm really really interested to see how how all of these ingredients, like you said, Mike, can can come together. Yeah, man. Oa, I mean. It's, it's gotten better the last three games, but if you go back to the beginning of the season, 81% for the defensive snaps, 82%. I'm going by game now. Game one, 81%. Game two, 82 Game three, 86 Game four, 95 <laughs> Game five, 87 in The last three games, he's been in like the upper 50s, 57, 55, and 56. A little more reasonable, right? But you think about those crazy numbers where you're damn near playing every defensive snap like you're a safety, like you're a DB <laughs> out there, and you're a front seven guy. And we showed, we shared some of the clips uh, in our little chat earlier in the season. Obviously, rushing the passer takes a lot out of you just from a stamina standpoint. So he was doing that. He's playing the run. He's dropping in the coverage, and he's running vertical with slot receivers like 25 yards out of the field, right? <laughs> So you're playing all of those snaps, doing all of those different things. You're practicing, not missing any practice time. Your legs got to be heavy as you know what. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So people, you know, oh, where's it four three speed? It, it's, it's sitting over there with them them 95% snap. What do you, you think is that? <laughs> so let him get, you know, to something that's a little bit more of a, a, a reasonable snap load and then, you know, to Chris's point, he can be fresher in the fourth quarter. And he can he can show that juice that we know he has. We saw it. We've seen it. Um, you know, he'll, he'll hopefully be able to to, to show that um, again. But, you know, Gary, again, you, you guys both kind of touched on it, but you, you, can, you can see that correlation to the 49ers defense. You know, one thing about their defensive line, they just roll all these guys through, right? Obviously, they got a legit, like, dude in Bosa. But then they just rolled a bunch of dudes through. And then you got your Fred Warner in the middle field, you know. So, again, you can see the it, – it's not – there's different ways to do it for sure, right? It's uh, This is a quote that uh, Guru Gangstar used to always say. It's, it's, it's not uh, – there's different formulas, but it's formulaic, <laughs> right? There's different ways to do it. Everybody has their own different formula for how they're going to do it. But it's formulaic in the sense that there are certain key things that every really, really good defense has, right? And, you know, pass rush, you know, ability to create pressure is one of them. Um, obviously, ability to cover people in not just the deep part of the field, but in the middle of the field, right, that intermediate level. So you can get those ingredients and, and, you know, to be able to stop the run effectively. You've got all of those ingredients. How it looks can be different from team to team. How you get to those things might be different, but if you've got those things in your formula, you've probably got a, a, a recipe for for success. And they're getting there. They're getting there. All of this stuff that we're talking about, and a play caller who I like I've said before, I think is still finding his voice. He's still kind of finding his way in terms of calling games and what works, what doesn't work, what's good situations for guys. Maybe some things I've asked some guys to do that aren't really strengths for them, and I need to to dial some of that back. You see guys like Kyle Hamilton starting to shine a little bit more. Because again, like Chris always said, not thinking, just playing, right? Putting him in positions where he can just play and just use his natural playmaking ability. So all of that stuff is coming together. And I think this dinner 
it's gonna be good. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is gonna be a good meal. I think people are gonna enjoy it. Everybody gonna thank the cooks, you know, so they put their foot in it. I think this is gonna be a good. One. So um, that's all really exciting, you know. Uh, we I wanted to get us in, in, into, you know, some positive energy because uh, it's easy to get to get kind of down on the injury stuff particularly with the guys who are injured, like we talked about earlier, but there's still a lot of reasons to be optimistic uh, about this team and not just defensively, even on offense. We talked about some of the other bright spots uh, who, you know, maybe we didn't necessarily expect to to shine as bright as they have shined coming into this season, like Devin Duvernay, like Justice Hill. No, I, can't, I just named two guys that Chris basically said were going to shine and, and they've shot, uh, <laughs> you know, so, um, you know, and, and and it always starts with eight. As long as you got eight and he's healthy, you 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 gonna have an opportunity to win games. You know, so you, you got we we've seen a half a season without eight. Mm-hmm. So that's not that's not even something that we have to say. Well, what if we know what that looks like? Uh, so I'm, I'm I'm just grateful that <laughs> he's healthy and is back doing his thing again. He he's you know gonna continue to elevate himself. Uh, I think we got to see a little, a little glimpse in that Bucks game. We're kind of over that now. Uh, Chris pointed it out. That little play where you know he's he's scrambling and gets a good game down there um, near the Bucks end zone, and Patrick Ricard gets called for you know unnecessary uh, sort of holding penalty on the downfield blocking. You could see Lamar like go ballistic <laughs> on that dude as he went out of bounds, which is not something we see from him a lot uh, publicly. You know what I mean? We don't we don't see practice, so we don't know what's going there. I don't want to make it sound like this ain't something he's never done before. And I think we all know that he's a leader. He's always shown these leadership qualities going back to his rookie year. He's shown that. But I thought when Chris pointed that out, I was like, yeah, see, we we, we might be seeing another level. Right? It's always been there. But we might be seeing yet another level of, hey, come on now. <laughs> we too good for this. Yeah. We too good to be doing this thing. You know, holding holding other guys accountable. Obviously, holding himself accountable starts there, but holding his teammates accountable. I think that's another level of leadership. And there are different ways to do that. We've seen it over the years. Certain guys are going to be to get in your face, scream at you type guys. Other guys are going to be to put their arm around you, encourage you, say, "Hey, come on, man, let's go. Let's get this together. Let's get this." Kind of thing. And I think, you know, Lamar, it was a little bit of both, I think, in that moment. Like, come on, Pat, come on, man. You know, you ain't got to do that. So I think that's encouraging, too. I think that, that you know, this is Lamar's team. It's, it's not it's not Greg Roman's offense. It's not John Harbaugh's team. This is Lamar's team. And I think that as he continues to show those leadership qualities, as he continues to hold himself and his other teammates accountable, um, that creates a different environment because there's a lot of vets on this team, particularly on defense. But I was thinking about something. I was listening to it today, and it was a whole different context than football. It was something totally different. But this guy was talking about the difference between people who are experienced and inexperienced in certain situations. Now, this was a military thing, but that's why I was kind of reluctant because I don't like to compare sports to that kind of stuff. It's totally different. But just where he said, you know, when somebody's inexperienced, they – have a tendency to underreact, right? Or overreact. It can go either way, right? Because they just lack that experience. Whereas professionals, they're right in the middle, right? They don't underreact and are reckless or careless. They don't overreact. They don't panic. They're kind of like right in the middle. 
And you got a lot of those kind of vets on this team where they're kind of right in the middle. They're not going to be reckless and say, hey, we, we, we don't need to be concerned when certain things are happening. And they're not going to panic. It was like, oh, right. Throw out everything that we've been working on and building to and let's scrap it and let's just start fresh. They're not going to do any of that. And I think some of that is, just in my opinion, I think you start to see, you know, some of that kind of rub off on Lamar too. I think he's always had kind of an even kill personality, but I think in games sometimes, you know, he can get a little caught up in it sometimes in games where he knows how good he is and he can maybe press a little bit, right? Because he knows what he can do. But just to kind of say, hey, man, look, you do you, do what you're supposed to do. I'm going to do me. I do what I'm supposed to do. I do what I'm supposed to do. We're going to make plenty of plays out here. We're going to be plenty of good enough to to beat these teams. But we just all got to kind of, you know, do what we're, what we're supposed to do, what we need to do. Anyway, that's my little stump speech. Uh, the Bugs game, Kerry. Uh, we talked about how it looked in the first half and how we were wondering what was going to happen to Greg Roman at halftime. And then they come out of the second half and they're able to get the run game going. Uh, Lamar doesn't throw the ball nearly uh, as much as he did in the first half, but very efficient. I think he was eight for eight uh, throwing the ball in the, in the second half and, and had some guys step up and make some plays after the catch as well, which is always a big part uh, of the passing game. But what are some things? Here's how I wanted to look at it. What, what do you think are some things that can come out of the second half of that? Because I think you made a good point. Like, hey, you and Chris both, we, we can't just expect that this is what it's going to be you know, every every game from here on out. But I think that there are some things that you can take from that game. And maybe it's a little bit like what Chris was saying before we started pressing record, where you can maybe mix some things up a little bit more. There was some good in there that you could take out of that. Um, but anyway, your thoughts on that or just anything in general coming out of that game? Yeah, I think what you can take out of it is, to me, um, I thought that that second half was the most purposeful play calling I've seen from Roman this year. Um, I'm someone that's big on play calling is a feel thing. Uh, you know, you got to understand, um, you know, where your advantages are and, uh, and, and kind of react to what the game is telling you. And I think the game was telling um, Roman certain things and I think he did a, a good job of uh, not getting too cute not um, you know overcomplicating things not you know trying to mix in this mix in that I, I think he went right to the meat and potatoes of what the game was telling him to do and it worked out well and they executed and they did what they were supposed to do and so I, I think you can take something from that. Um, I also think, uh, Mike, you made the point about um, the young corner that Tampa Bay had that, um, you know, he was playing off. And so it's something as simple as that, that this t team doesn't really seem to do a whole lot. But, hey, he's going to play off. We're just going to keep throwing it out there and, and make you make a decision. And that's what they kept doing. They kept just throwing it out there make you come up, make you make tackles. You know, sometimes, you know, it's just about taking what's there. And so that was good to see. And like I said, it was a purposeful um, kind of flow to the game in the, in the second half on the offensive end. Then uh, defensively, um, I know Tampa Bay is struggling with their offensive line. 
But, you know, Fournette is a load to tackle, and he's a guy that they bottled up, and, you know, that's becoming a theme. Chubb the week before, they were able to bottle him up. Saquon Barkley the week before that, they were able to bottle him up. You know, that's that's tough sledding. That's that's not something we should be glossing over. Those are, you know, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't put Fournette talent wise at the level of a Saquon or, or a uh, Nick Chubb, but Fournette is a, you know, he's a load to tackle. So, you know, these are guys that have made plays, you know, week in and week out, um, you know, against high level competition. So, for them to be able to hold those three guys in check says something about where this run defense is is um, heading. Especially when you know we were making complaints earlier in the season uh, about the um, the ability to set the edge, just wasn't seeing it at the at the level we were used to seeing it. So um, it, it feels like a lot of that is kind of cleaning itself up. Um, so when you see that and you know what kind of reinforcements are coming, that's what makes me excited. It's not just the fact that we're getting these guys back; it's the fact that week in and week out and it's getting better every week that we're seeing stuff on film that projects going forward to a team that should be difficult to score on, um, you know, when we get to December. Yeah. Yeah. I like that word you use purposeful about the play calling. Cause when I was watching it, like I told you guys, I started, you know, I always tried to run game, but I started doing the passing game, trying to do it anyway. Um, there was just such a rhythm to it. It was just there was a rhythm, there was a connectedness yeah. to it. It just didn't feel like just a collection of plays. Like, let me just pick this one from the sheet. Let me now just pick this one. Everything was sort of connected. It was almost like, all right, here, we're going to run. We're going to call this run and we're going to pull these offensive linemen. All right, next play. We're going to pull these guys, but now we're going to throw it out on a quick little bubble screen. Okay, next play. We're going to pull these guys again, but now it's going to be a replay where the market keep it or give it. Everything was just connected. Everything had some element that looked like something else. And the defense really wasn't sure how to react and how to respond to what they were seeing. Whereas <laughs> in the first half, they were more the they were more the actors, right? I've talked about this before with offense and defense. Typically, offense are the actors and defense are the reactors. Well, it looked like it was the reverse in that first half where Tampa Bay defense was the actor and the Ravens offense was reacting. Well, they flipped it in the second half where they flipped it back to kind of the traditional role of the offense being the actor and the defense reacting and defense just, it's like whatever reaction um, they had was wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that to me, that's a sign of like an offensive system where it doesn't matter what they do. We have ways to make them wrong. No matter how they play this play, they play this part of it. Oh, we got an answer over here. Take away that part. We got another answer over here, but we'll come back the next play and set you up for the third answer. Right. If you think you got the first two things figured out. So that's always a good sign. Can we keep that going, Chris? Let me come to you. <laughs> I know it's a question that you ask and have asked a couple of times on this show. Right. We got this. We got that. This looks good. That sounds good. But can the offensive coordinator get the most out of these things? So going back to that book game, whether it's offense or defense that you want to touch on, what's some things that you think can come out of that um, that, that can be good going forward? Well, just to answer that that last question, I'm gonna say no. <laughs> um, I just it, it's you know it's been a few years now, and 
there have been flashes of brilliance in every season with Giro, but there just has not been that consistency. And I just, I, I don't think it's going to just start clicking now. You know, it, it took a half, you know, a whole half of, you know, pretty much an inept offense. And then in the second, second half, you know, it, it started firing back up again. And, you know, I'm not even going to put all of this on Giro, like, for this season. Because I, I feel like before that second half, this was probably the worst stretch of football I've seen from Lamar mm. in his entire career. Because he was doing things that is just uncharacteristic of of him and and, you know, who he's been since... He came out of college, uh, you know, just poor pocket presence, uh, seeing pressure that's not even there, reacting to that pressure that's not there, uh, missing, you know, fairly easy throws that we're used to him making. And the decision making just it hasn't been there. It, 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 there was something off for the, those last few weeks. And um I think in the second half, for whatever reason, I'm not sure what happened, what was said, what adjustments were made, but it just seemed like him and Giro just clicked in that second half. And, uh, you know, we know Lamar can be consistent because his play during the last few weeks, that's abnormal from Lamar Jackson. Um, With Giro, we're still trying to get that consistency of being able to not only have things work in the run game, but also just put more stress on on a on a defense. Uh, yeah, it's nice when you can line up and you know run the ball and get five yards a clip. Yeah, that's nice, and you know that you know that makes the game easy and and you know it chews up the clock, it, it makes a defense tired, but I feel like when you can incorporate those that quick game and, you know, attacking the defense that, you know, they, they want to give you a cushion and, and they're giving you those free yards, you know, why not just take that and incorporate that into what you already know that you're good at, you know? And, I, I mean, I'm hopeful that we can see it, I'm just not confident that we'll be able to get that consistency from him. Um, but it was good to see because I was getting worried. Um, I'm not even going to lie. I was getting worried because Lamar wasn't playing well, you know, and then you hear in the second quarter that Bateman and, and Andrews are going to be out and you're like, Oh Lord, like this is, you know, th- this is our worst nightmare. You know, you have the two top, uh, pass uh, pass catchers out of the game. Lamar's not playing well. Giro is, you know, doing his little uh, Ask Madden uh, run play. <laughs> and, um, you know, it, it it was rough, but, you know, they, they came through and they, they prevailed and, you know, they exceeded the expectations. So um, hopefully they, they can build on this. And, you know, you mentioned it earlier, Mike, where you know, about confidence, you know, maybe this is what Lamar needed just to get out of that little funk that he was in. You know, I know baseball players, when they're in a slump, 
They just need that one. You know, they just need that one hit to get out of that slump and for them to, to not be in their head. So hopefully this is that, you know, that springboard for Lamar to, you know, actually be Lamar and, and get out of his slump. And, and you know, hopefully this opened up G-Row's eyes and it's like, yeah, you know what, we can we can win in different ways. We can attack defenses in different ways and and be successful, you know, and and that ha- everybody have some more trust in these, you know, these secondary uh, options that the Ravens have. So uh, hopefully going forward, it, it, it can just springboard into, a, you know, a, a, a more multiple looking uh, offense and and just be able to mix things up a bit more. Yeah, whatever happened in, in, in that locker room at halftime, and Auburn said it wasn't anything out of the ordinary. They kind of just went in and looked at what they were doing and see what they could adjust. But, hey, there was some kind of slump busting. Yeah, <laughs> something happened. <laughs> we all need a slump buster sometimes. <laughs> and something came <laughs> out of there, and it would just look like a different a different quarterback, a different, play, a different offense. I don't know what it was. But just there was just a different energy about it. Sometimes you you know maybe it can be as simple as you, you come out and you have some consistency on a couple of plays. You get a drive started and going, and you just find a rhythm, and you know you stay in it. I think they had flashed some of that in the first half, but then they would have penalties, right? Or you know like you said, Lamar, you know, kind of holding on to the ball and trying to do a little too much in the pocket, and ended up getting an intentional grounding. But, you know, they just had things that would break that rhythm after they would have a couple of plays where, okay, you know, decent run, connect on a couple of passes, and, and then you get a phantom offensive pass interference call, James Prochet <laughs> blocking downfield. That can kind of kill that rhythm. But the, the thing that's interesting to me about that game, and both halves, really, like the game as a whole, is it's everything that we've talked about in offense. Like all of the stuff that we want to see in offense was in that game <laughs> at yeah. various parts, right? Various parts of the game. It was all there. And so I, I would say about the only thing that maybe wasn't there was Debo. Um, and, you know, that, that, that you're not going to get a ton of those opportunities in, in any game. And I think, you know, they, they took a shot to Bateman on one down the sideline against McCollum. And Bateman just, well, you could even tell on that play before he went out, like the burst, the acceleration just, just wasn't there. I mean, McCollum can run now. He was a 4-3-1 guy, I think, or 4-3-5, something like that at the combine. But, you know, um, Rashad got outside of him and had an opportunity to stack him, you know, and kind of go up vertical. And there just wasn't like a ton of separation there. So I wonder, you know, how his foot was impacting that. But anyway, everything else was there. They had the quick game stuff that you were talking about. Hey, somebody's giving you an 8- to 10-yard cushion or more. He's a rookie. He's inexperienced. Go get it. Time to eat. I don't care who's out there. Marcus Roberts can be anybody. We're going to eat. And they did that for a little while, right? And then, you know, various reasons they got away from that. Then we saw, you know, some of the uh, the screen game stuff, right? Stuff out to DuVernay, stuff out to Demarcus Robinson. We say, hey, we like that, right? We've been looking for these screens. We see the RPO stuff. We're like, okay, yeah, the little quick one to DuVernay, a little glance around inside. Yeah. Of course, we know about the run game. So, like, everything was there. But can you now bring all of that together? into a game plan and do it in a way where, like Harry said, it's purposeful. And it's not just like a random collection of stuff because that's what it feels like sometimes. Like we just got all this stuff and we're just like randomly calling it. 
And I know they're not randomly calling, and obviously they have a plan, but it, but it feels that way as a viewer sometimes. Um, so th to me, that's a good thing about what could come out of this game. It's like, hey guys, look, we got all of this stuff, and we were able to put it together, you know. So let's let's keep let's keep that up. So it's a combination of the play caller doing some things to help his quarterback out. If you do have you know quarterback kind of starting off slow and you know kind of struggling to find a rhythm, there's some things that you can do from a play calling standpoint to help him. You know, giving him some stuff that gets the ball out of his hand, giving him some easy throws, giving him some rhythm throws. You know, there are things that you can do instead of say, hey, let's drop you back seven steps and look for a double post. Mm -hmm. It's not maybe the best thing to do when your guy is struggling. So I hope that there can be some of that. And it's weird in seasons how that can happen. It can just happen. You know, you could be on one kind of path and then you have a game and then you're on another path. You know, yep. it's just it's, it's funny how that happens in seasons. It can, it can literally just happen just like that. Now, will will that game um, turn out to be that for this year's team? Time will tell. So I think that's another quasi-professional segues here <laughs> uh, <laughs> to transition into the Saints game, right? Talk about, you know, to, to be determined. Um I'm, I'm back to I'm back to nervous me. You know the Giants game that wasn't me. You know talking oh they're gonna, they gonna go in there and put a bunch of numbers on the Giants. That's not me. Y'all know me. I'm nervous about every game. I tried to be fake. I tried to be funny <laughs> <laughs> with some confidence, but I didn't have it. So again, I'm back to my normal self. So with the Saints game, you can look at the record. You can say they don't have Michael Thomas. You can look at a bunch of you know Andy. You know <laughs> look. I was going to say <laughs> in a negative way, you could look at Andy Dalton, but we've seen too damn much of Andy Dalton. We don't even <laughs> think about him that way. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think Saints fans are like people who watch NFC football are probably, oh, Andy Dalton. We're like, oh, no, not Andy Dalton. <laughs> not Andy Dalton, please. We're not trying to see that man. I was telling Nard when we did a show last night. You remember that Bears game last year, and Fields was in there, and he's struggling, right? And then he gets hurt, and Dalton comes in, and everybody's like, oh, they lost. Ravens lost. <laughs> game, <laughs> game is over. Because we just have that kind of trauma around Andy Dalton from his time with the Bengals. But anyway, I just feel like this is a game you don't want to underestimate. I know team won't do it, but I think sometimes as fans, we look at the record, we look at some of the players, and we oh, they don't have this, they don't have that. Look, that's still a really good defense. Cam Jordan, Demario Davis, Marshawn Lattimore, you know, they got some young guys. Uh, stepping up, obviously, Marcus Davenport on the opposite side of, of Cam Jordan. Chris Olave on offense is legit. You know, yeah, they don't have Michael Thomas, but they ain't had Michael Thomas for a while now. Uh, Alvin Kamara is looking like the Alvin Kamara that we all know, uh, kind of back to his form. So I wouldn't go in there thinking, oh, it's the Saints. Oh, they're this and they're, you know, their record. And, you know, this, this should be a win. All of that stuff, man, All you know, all of that stuff makes me nervous. Right when they oh the rest of the schedules against no team with a winning record I don't want to hear none of that I don't want to hear none of it <laughs> don't tell me any of that because people start to think oh they they should they should finish you know whatever you start projecting wins and stuff man you just got to take these things one at a time and if you don't put everything into this game your total focus on beating the Saints it'll be one of those games where people will look back and say man that was the one that cost them. right. A chance, or or it could be you know a two game kind of slide. Man, they, these two, how did they get? How they let these two get away from them? So, Carrie, I, I'll start with you, man. What what are your thoughts going into this Saints game, and 
are you like Chris? Are you supremely confident <laughs> in most weeks? Or are you you like me trying to fake some confidence? <laughs> I would say I'm somewhere in the middle. Um, I think like a, the vet, Saints, like a true veteran. Yeah. I say the Saints are a, a, a talented team still. Um, you know, you could maybe argue that, that maybe they shouldn't be as ambitious as they are <laughs> with some of the moves that they make. But, you know, there, there's still a lot of talent on that team. There's still a, a lot of guys that have won a lot of games on that team. And, you know, Andy Dalton, uh, not last week, but the week before, threw for a lot of yards, made a couple bad mistakes. One, one of the pick sixes wasn't on him. One was on him. But um, they seem to have figured some stuff out on offense with him, um, some quick stuff. And, you know, Olave, you don't have to go any further, but to um, <laughs> look at Matt Wallman uh, to let you know how ready he was going to be coming in. And, and he is fitting the bill. I mean, he is a problem, an absolute problem. So they're going to have their hands full with that. You know, Taysom Hill is always a guy you have to account for. Um you know, in their uh, offense and defensively, I mean, they're, they are not the same defense. I don't think they're quite as talented. I don't think that they stopped the run at such a dominant level as we're used to seeing out of them the last couple of years. Um, but it's still a talented, it's still a proudful defense. It's still a defense that, that has pieces. So, um, and you know, that, 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 that home field advantage is one of the ones that's, to me is legitimate in the league. Um, you know, that that's a that's a place that you have to come in focused um in order to to get a win in. So um, you know, they're gonna have their work cut out for them, but if if they can build on um that second half of of, of last game and and you know again I'm gonna use that word purposeful. If they come in, you know, with a purposeful game plan, get the running game going get the quick game going uh, in, in the passing game um, and, you know, try to limit penalties and, and, and self-inflicted mistakes, uh, I think they should win the game. But, you know, it's going to be one that they're going to have to go in there and take. It's not going to be given to them. Absolutely not. And I, I'd be remiss. I didn't miss the – I didn't talk about the honey badger on their defense. You know, that's, oh, a, yeah. that's, a, that's a big addition. Um, I think Chris Harris Jr. is there too. And is playing some for them. So, you know, two veteran guys who made a bunch of plays in this league. And then again, with our affinity for the draft, Peyton Turner is there. Um, Alante Taylor, cornerback, uh, is there. So, you know, there's there's a good mix of some veteran guys and some young guys who are getting some opportunity to play. Oh, man, I didn't even notice that. They got to do the Caden Ellis. Okay. Never mind. Anyway, <laughs> I was looking at some names that I didn't I didn't know were on the team. Uh, Chris, let me let me come to you. Are you supremely confident going into this game, or do you have any uh, any concerns? Uh, I would not characterize it as supremely confident. Um, this is a first. This is a first. Yeah, it's um. I mean, the defense gives me some pause. I mean, you know, this could be a game without. Uh, well, we know it's going to be without Bateman, um, and it's trending towards no Mark Andrews. So. It's going to be a game where you have to count on these, you know, these role players to be, you know, your main guys to to, to be making plays. You know, your 
you're counting on a Deshaun Jackson. You're counting on a Demarcus Robinson. You're counting on Isaiah Likely and Josh Oliver. You know, and most likely going to be without but without Gus. So it's Kenyon Drake and and Justice Hill time. So that that kind of gives me some pause of of not mostly because it's the unknown. You know, I I don't know what it's going to be like to watch these guys go up against starters now. We mentioned that earlier in the show. Now they're going to be going up against, you know, the guys that you named, you know, Marshawn Lattimore, Honey Badger. So it's 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 not going to be you know the going up against a whole bunch of backups like they were last week. So I'm I'm hoping, I'm hopeful that I do think that the Ravens defense does match up well against uh the Saints offense. So I think it's going to be a defensive battle. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. But um yeah, I'm 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 excited to see what they do uh on offense because you know like uh, you know we mentioned it with this, with that second half of the Bucks Bucks game, uh, I just, I want to see what what they can do, you know, to kind of come back into this game and and you know have that that confidence under them. So uh, I'm I'm hoping they can pull this out. Um, I do think it'll be defensive and 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 I think it it'll be one of those games where. You know they they grind it out on the road and and are able to to steal it away from from the Saints. I, I don't think it's going to be easy in in any any shape or form because you know with with the Saints you just never know. You know they they put in that Taysom Hill for uh, you know one play and then he's seventy yards down the field. So um, I, I do think that that will be a tough game for them. He's one of those X factors for sure, where he's he's you know a non-conventional kind of guy when he's on the field. You know they use him in a variety of different ways, and when he's out there, you, you're not always sure how they're going to use him on that specific play. But you know you gotta you gotta account for him. Um, I guess I should mention Lattimore. He didn't play in that game uh, last week uh, against the Raiders, and it looks like he didn't practice today. He's listing with some kind of abdomen injury. Um, so I don't know. You know, we'll monitor his, his mm. participation the rest of the week and see. You know, not again. Not not that that means you know you should take him any any like you know any, any less seriously. Obviously, but he's one of their best players on defense, and so mm-hmm. you know, if he's not able to go again. Uh, that's a big loss for them. And looks like they might get Landry back this week. Maybe he had a limited practice today. He didn't play last week, so you might get Jarvis Landry. And you know, we again another guy we've seen. You know, along that Andy Dalton, uh, that Andy Dalton van, we've seen him with the Browns, and you know, we've seen what he's done in some of the games with the Browns against the Ravens. So, uh, another guy to uh, to to be respectful of. I want to use the word concerned, but you got to respect his game when he's out there. You know what he's about, and you know what he brings. So you got to be ready for that. So I, I think it's going to be a good matchup, and it's Monday night, man. It's just one, you know, everybody gets up for that game. You know, you're the only game in town. Nothing else is on. Everybody's watching it. So it's a home game. We know how it gets down there uh, in that dome. They don't care what the Saints record is. They 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 turned up all the time. So <laughs> it's 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 going to be a good atmosphere for sure. And it should be a good game. So looking forward to it. Anything else you guys want to touch on before we get out of here? That's that's only all the stuff that I had uh, on the rundown for us to kind of kind of talk about. 
No, that's, that's no, not. I think we hit everything we want. We, you know, went in planning on hitting. So, yep. And just going going to the practice reports, um, because I I didn't know that Lattimore wasn't practicing. Um, uh, Jarvis actually had to leave practice early today too. Okay. Yeah, they say he had a limited on here. They got him as an LP. But... Yeah, so he was limited, but then he left. He, I, it looks like he was just doing individual drills. Okay. So, so, but he left early doing that. So, uh, it might not have you know some of their top guys too. Yeah, those those are important players for them for sure. Um, there's no question about that. Um, so we'll monitor that. Like I said, something something to monitor. We do that every week. You know, you got to keep a guy keep an eye on those those practice reports and see how guys are doing during the week and what their chances of playing are. Yeah. Um, so we'll be watching all of that for sure. Um, before we get out of here, I will say always just just a reminder, um, man. Continue to tap in with Kerry and all of his fantasy content. He puts out his weekly DraftKings article and lineup every week. Um, added a new little feature this week with the sprinkle me, mm-hmm. uh, sprinkle me player in there. So <laughs> you know, just you know, a player that you might just want to sprinkle in the in, into and across some of your lineups who can help you out. That week, I think that's a pretty uh, a pretty cool little feature and, and little angle that I I don't know that anybody else I've seen doing anything like that. Um, and again, like I always tell y'all, this is this is not just bias because you know Carrie is is a friend of mine, but he be beating me, man. He be beating me <laughs> and Chris <laughs> in our little DraftKings three man league, and that's just what we see in that league, you know. Uh, we, we, I don't always even get a chance to see, you know, the scores that he has and some of the GPPs that he's entering and stuff like that. You know, he's told us about a couple of them and a couple, you know, finishes and, and, and uh, you know, he's cashed in some of those. So, I mean, this this isn't just talking about it. You know, Kerry is out there being about it. Whooping and, our ass. Yeah, yeah, whooping our ass. There ain't, ain't, no ain't no way to sugarcoat that. <laughs> ain't no, like, what, what did Dave Chappelle, what did Chappelle show back in the day about that R. Kelly? Ain't no, ain't no punchline to that. That means he's mad. He talking and he walking. Uh, so y'all need to tap in with all of that. Of course, you can see it uh, on Twitter, on the Deep Cover, uh, you know, Twitter account. Uh, also, you can follow Carrie, obviously, Carrie1313, Deep Cover, you know, at Deep Cover Pod, the uh, Deep Cover Blog Spot. You know, you can find it there as well if you want to, you know, be able to go back and refer back to some different things and kind of understand the, the analysis behind, you know, certain players that he's he's selecting or recommending for that week, man. So I just can't can't recommend it enough now that people go out there and tap into this because i mean when this when this guy takes off and people finally recognize how talented he is and you got to start paying for this you'd be like damn i could have been getting this on the on the free (laughs) (laughs) you know what i'm saying get it while you can get it while you can because yesterday's price is not today's price i was just about to say it (laughs) (laughs) so get it while you can man um but that's it. That's the only other thing I wanted to to kind of add to make sure that, you know, people were still tapping into that and again, literally taking advantage of it while it's free uh, because it will it will win you some money. Trust me. Trust and believe. Um, but I guess that's it. We'll go ahead and close this thing out. Hey, you know, like, subscribe, share, tell a friend to tell a friend. 
you know, we, we're always appreciative when we see those comments out there about people looking forward to the pod and getting disappointed when we don't put a pod out during the week. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, that's that's always nice and, uh, you know, love to see that kind of stuff. So we're going to keep doing what we do and uh, hope that people continue to enjoy it. And, hey, look, be smart out there, man. Stay out them streets. Stop arguing about wide receivers. Stop labeling people and calling people names. Come on, man. Y'all better than that. Man. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just support the team, man. Enjoy each other, respect each other. Nothing wrong with some debate, some healthy debate, right? That's that's all part of it. But some of this stuff, man, it's just crazy out there right now. Some of the stuff, I'm not, I'm not in it. I try not to be in it, but you know, you see it. If you on social media, Twitter, whatever, you go see it. But I just look at it. I'm just like, man, some of it is just guys so crazy now. Where it's like, within, we're all fans of the same team, but within that group. There's like these little sub cultures, you know what I mean? And it's like, I don't get it. I don't know. I'm probably just old. That's probably all. Mm-hmm. That might just be a thing that that just goes on now, and I'm too old to understand it. But hey, like I said, just be respectful, man. Be respectful out there. We ain't got to agree on any on everything, but we can we can have a respectful conversation and respectful debate without getting petty or getting immature about it. Ain't no need for that. All right, I'm gonna stop talking to y'all like I'm your daddy. Y'all be good. <laughs> Until next time, <laughs> we out of here. Peace. I wake up motivated. I, I wake up motivated. I wake up trying to bless somebody, inspire somebody, encourage somebody, help somebody to the next level. I got time today. I got time today. I got time. I got time. I got time today. I got time today. I got time today. I got time. I got time. I got time today. Who is swiping? If ain't swiping. Who is swiping? If ain't swiping. Swipe. If I ain't swiping, who is swiping if I ain't swiping?